0: Welcome to Everyday Drinking, presented by the Eat Drink Dine Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jason Wilson. Well, hello, listeners. Today, we're going to be talking about weird wines that most people don't get. Yep, that's right. This is going to be a super, super nerdy episode of Everyday Drinking. We're going to be talking about a trio of fortified wines, port, sherry, and vermouth. So for our first act... I'm keeping it right in the family and I'm going to visit my brother Tyler who is a self-taught port expert, collector, aficionado, and we're going to learn about port in his home bar. (laughs) So I'm at my brother's house today and we're going to try some port. He's a big, uh, hi Tyler. Uh, Hello. This is my brother Tyler. Uh, big port guy and uh so this whole episode is about fortified wine so i figured we would just jump right in at the deep end and taste some vintage port let's try some port all right so i mean anybody that's read my book god Forsaken grapes knows that you know the port chapter tyler is in the port chapter i'm in so, the port I mean, chapter <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whether he likes that or not but he's in the port chapter um <laughs> you like that? I don't
1: know. Uh, Anytime my name's mentioned, it's good. Okay, good.
0: (laughs) So, um, we went to Porto for the first time in 2005, and (laughs) I think it maybe changed your life.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, We went to Portugal years before that but we went back (laughs) together we went to
0: portugal with my parents and we drove around in this tiny van in 1992 a rascal yeah 92 Yeah, 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 yeah yeah okay
1: but no but we did go to porto and it did change the way that i look at drinking and wine because i really fell in love with port fell in love with all types and have why they're just interesting. They're fun. They are a little higher alcohol. There's just a little bit more play in them, and, and they're, they're just they're they're interesting. I mean, to me, I enjoy them. I enjoy kind of the history of them and the just everything about them.
0: Now, what are you doing here? You're pouring it into a decanter, huh?
1: Yeah. Um, I, I find with the vintage. Um, we want to decant them. The older they get, there's sediment, and we're going to see some of it here. Um, and
0: yeah, oh, all right, yeah, okay.
1: So we don't want to ever ruin a glass. So we. And
0: what are we drinking right here?
1: Uh, this is a Ramos Pinto, uh, vintage two thousand
0: three. Okay, and so wow, okay, so they so Ramos Pinto declared a vintage on this and, particular well, one. Yeah.
1: they didn't um the Port Institute in Oh, okay. okay. in okay. Lisbon decided when they sent their 2003 that it was good enough to be a vintage. And year. not
0: every year is a vintage, right?
1: No. Okay. No, I mean and most years aren't. Um Yeah. Uh, depending on weather and conditions like that is how the ports end up better and and you can get a vintage.
0: All right, cool. Let's let's do Pour what this is sit or what are do we doing here? No,
1: no, I just don't want that in. All right. So now you'll notice a lot of people drink in cordial glasses. I go with a a wine glass, a white wine glass normally, um, so you can get a little of the nose of it. I think when you do a cordial glass, you don't get all the the flavor.
0: I think people don't really know what port is. Port is a wine, but like, what is port?
1: So port is a wine, but during the fermentation process, uh, the fermentation stopped by adding a neutral spirit. In the case of port, um, they use the must from the harvest. It's sent to become a neutral spirit, similar to agrappa. And each of the farms that send it, each of the farms that are allowed to make port are sent back only the amount that they're allowed to produce. So, you know, if you have a larger farm, you're gonna get more of it back. If you have more old vines, if you have more of the, you know, the quality to make port, then you're gonna get more back. Uh, it's to stop from over filling the market with bad port they want good port
0: right and you used right people can't use just cheap spirit to to adulterate it so this is actually fantastic this is really it's just so complex on the nose it just
1: yeah you get those you get those you get the berry fruit but then it's it's not just forward fruit you're getting no. you know i think some of the
0: licorice herbal kind of dark minerality kind of burnt notes
1: Slight leather, not much, but just enough. Yeah. So this is a 2003. They said don't drink it before 2014 was when they said to, to possibly open it. I in have Ross, made so the this mistake. Is, is this in the sweet spot? I, I don't 21? know. 21? I have no idea. Um, you know, because, you know, some ports you can open, obviously, hundreds of years old, and I don't know. But this is not a good spot. I've opened them too soon before and that is a mistake you might as well just buy a ruby but you know, all this right is a so okay for a lot of people w- <laughs> what's the occasion for this
0: because i don't i don't know like what i what 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 am i i'm not gonna have this with dinner because it is it's it's got a sweetness to it it's 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 and it's big and it probably is what how much percent alcohol we got what
1: well, should be in the 21 22 range yeah
0: 20 21 yeah, yeah. exactly that's yeah.
1: where it should be um so yes, it is stronger. It's not. It's not meant to be paired with food. Maybe dessert, piece of chocolate, some cheese. Um, you know, I, I would actually, I would actually try a bit of chocolate with it. All right, we're having some chocolate. No, but the occasion is is the holidays. Is a is a you know. But and any holiday, I think the the mistake people make is they think it's got to be a winter holiday or a Thanksgiving. But there's nothing like a nice pork. Maybe you're having a cigars with the, the guys outside, or you know it's something uh,
0: but you know. how does this how does this appeal to a younger generation? That's a question. And, and like maybe you know, and maybe this is the thing. Does everything have to appeal to a younger generation? I mean, I got Juicebox Beth coming on later, you know, and we're gonna drink sherry. And I mean, sherry appeals to the younger generation, but like, a bunch of old people like us, Maybe port's what we want, right?
1: No, I, I do think port's what you want, but I think that I think that years ago, did young people sit around drinking cognac and drinking, you know, forty-year-old whiskeys? No, they were somehow taught to drink it. You know, you don't open a forty-year whiskey and go, "Oh gosh, this is so good!" The first time you have it. Same thing. <laughs> said, no 18-year-old yeah, ever, said no
0: eighteen-year-old. Yeah, said no eighteen-year-old
1: ever who chased it with a pickleback. You know, it's like. So I think that, I think the port just has to become something that we're taught to drink because you do need to be taught to drink. I mean, and we've always heard, you know, people have that old port bottle behind the bar and it's like, no, 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 it's, it's wine. It's going bad sooner than later. The
0: open one, you mean?
1: The open one. Yes. Yeah. Not the, not the closed one. Um,
0: like this vintage that we just opened, you decanted it. It's going to go bad. Tonight. Tonight. Right.
1: So when, and this is, this is the issue with vintages.
0: So what, are we going to drink this wine tonight? I need (laughs) an Uber home.
1: I don't know if you are. Um,
0: But I mean, I'm going to have to like, just, just to set the scene here. um, My, (laughs) my brother lives in the house we grew up in and I, I might, if I drink this whole port tonight, I may be sleeping in my childhood bedroom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That That could be weird, but, but it's true. Um, and and I think that that becomes kind of the mystique of, of these these vintage ports. They have to be they have to be drank. They're they're and that's why you would open this with a group with a with a at least multiple people who were at least going to try it, who are at least going to right. And and when they hit right, people are it'll it'll be gone. Um,
0: I mean, I introduced you as a port guy, a port collector. I mean, what like is this is this the star of your collection i mean like are you holding out on me like is this a good one like what are you
1: doing Uh, this is this is a very good one um i ordered this one in specifically for this because i wanted to have a vintage Ramos pinto okay i didn't have another one in my in my stores right now
0: what do you what's in your stores right now
1: um i have a couple vintage grams i have a couple vintage uh taylor Flaggate. so but i really wanted the star of this to be a Ramos pinto um, this is $85 a bottle. Okay. Um, it's certainly, and, and vintage ports are hard to come by because people don't store them at the liquor Shops stores. Shops don't have them. A... Yeah, you want to really be, when you're buying a vintage, you really want to be careful that you're buying it from someone who's kept it the right way. Um, you know, and the Ramos Pinto, I, you know, uh, ordered online to from someone that I find reputable who, you know, yeah, deals in in nice ports. So. Why do you like port? I, I think it's just a I think it's just a nice sipping drink. Um, I think it goes well with hanging out. I think it goes well with. Uh, I'm a cigar smoker as well. I think it, it's a nice pairing with cigars. I think it's a. I just think it's a, and I think it's a conversational wine too. I mean, when you introduce people to it. Yeah, you get some who are like, you know, I don't like it. But people who try it and really at least put the effort in, I think they eventually find that they they really enjoy. Well, I think people immediately are like, it's sweet. I don't like sweet. Yeah. And and too many people have had that bottle of port that really is just bad. I mean, there's bad wine, bad still wine. If you buy off the bottom shelf, you're not going to enjoy any wine. You know, I think that when you buy a port and we're having an $83 bottle, um, there's other ports that are priced to purchase, to drink, to right. you know, to enjoy, and not to worry about it being some special occasion.
0: All right, so this this one I just pulled out of an ice bucket. What's what's the story? Like, what's most people don't think about sweet wines as you know fortified wines in ice. You know what's the story?
1: So when i have been to porto they were all served at at cellar temperature and i'm 50 degrees at minimum so i like to put a little chill on them i think people enjoy them more and and i think and the and the port houses would tell you it's a good idea because it really rounds them out and a warm port you know at room temperature just it just doesn't have the same taste it just It's different. So we chill all ours and and try and keep them that way. So this is a a Taylor Flagate. This is a late bottle vintage uh, 2015.
0: All right. So first of all, (laughs) now I have been to Taylor Flagate with you. I believe. Yeah. We we went to, there were Peacocks, right?
1: Still are. 2005 we went, I believe. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, they're... There was that, and and your, and your favorite uh, port was the same as a, one of your favorite vice presidents. Oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, that, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite port that day was the same favorite port as Dick Cheney and Fidel Castro. Correct. So they may disagree on everything else in the rest of life, but like you know, but the they like the that, same
1: port. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So to be clear, Dick Cheney is my least favorite vice president or at minimum, uh, runner-up to the last one. But this is not that. This is a slightly... What, so t- talk about late bottle vintage, a shady term in my opinion.
1: Um, and, and you would think. But in reality, these are the grapes that just didn't make the grade to be a vintage year. Right. It's a single year, still a single producer. And
0: we're still talking about how most years they don't declare a vintage. So this is most years in port.
1: Right. Sometimes it's 10 years in between vintages. Right. Okay. So they've got these amazing grapes that just didn't make the grade. So they take those and they put them, um, on, on Oak for four to six years, this is the vintage, and then they bottle it and it's ready to drink right away. So yes, it's, but this is not a Ruby. Again, we're still in this Ruby family.
0: Right. It's not a ruby, but this like, the, but it's a ruby that's got age.
1: It's a ruby that's got age from a good year. When you just buy a regular ruby, it, it can be who knows a when. Crap these, year. Yeah, a Yeah, it could be year, yeah. six
0: crap years yeah, in yeah. one bottle. Oh, right, okay. So this is 2015, but it probably was bottled last year.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, so when you find these, um, th- they're going to keep for a while. When you find these in the liquor store, uh, they're going to be from – Good porthouses, they're going to be between 22 and $23. So not a huge investment. I mean, right. um, this can actually keep, put the cork keep back in. a few in, weeks. Uh, a week, uh, maybe two. Yeah. I mean, but two, and there's people who do three. I mean, if you have the Vacvin. No, I, I wouldn't want to
0: drink it more than a week, but I'm just saying like. They, but you if know, you had I, a Vacvin
1: yeah. or something like that and wanted to, you could probably, but the point is, how long is it really going to be around um, from <laughs> that standpoint? And, and In this good. house, not very long, probably. No, yeah. No, they're not. But so, but these are obviously accessible. But when you buy them, the late bottle vintage tells you that you have a good bottle of port. You know what I mean? It's not the basics. So when you go to someone's house, you can bring this and everybody's going to be happy. Is it certainly the 2003? No. But, but it makes sense to buy and use. And, you know, I think that they're. I think they're very accessible. I think they're very. You can enjoy this with a group of people and not worry that you just opened your. You know your. $80. But this is mostly
0: what you're going to find: late bottle vintage.
1: Yeah, on the shelf in the liquor store. Yes. Yeah, or worse.
0: Or in restaurants.
1: Yeah, yeah. I they, mean, they do. They've the average restaurants. I mean, yes. Yeah. And and, it, and
0: and the thing is, I think people need to understand these are great wines. They can be, well, they can. I mean, there's, they can be all, all different things. But they can be great wines. Like this is a, this is a really nice wine, but it's not a vintage. No, and that's, and I think that's what makes it shady to me. It's like, why did, why didn't they just come up with a better name for it? Late bottled vintage, right? You know, it's like, it's like, ports, weird.
1: Yeah, and I see what you're saying, um, but I, but I think if, but I don't think it's any shadier than you know putting. Classico or Classico Reserva on something, I mean, what's the difference? So I think yeah. that we, they're all trying to come up with their delineations for why and and have these nomenclatures, but if you know what it means, it's not shady. You, you're buying what you're buying. There's no sneaking around it. That's true. All
0: right, so... We're gonna do is a cocktail here, I guess. So I, I've got this Noval Black for us, right? But like, um, there's a. Can you read the? It's a nice box. Yeah. Can you read what's on the box? This is the cocktail I'm making right now.
1: Uh, yeah, we're we're drinking the Port Authority. Wow, that's really American. <laughs> what no, is it? Uh, we got the two ounces Novall Black Port, one ounce apple brandy. And a half ounce of yellow chartreuse. Okay. That's a weird cocktail, right? It
0: sounds like a weird cocktail. It now, this guy, this guy, uh, Jim Meehan, who made this cocktail, actually went to Porto with this guy. I don't you know did. if he developed the cocktail there or not. All right. So here it is. Um, um,
1: we're skipping something on the recipe, though. What is it?
0: What are we skipping?
1: Um they really wanted you to have three black olives in this.
0: Okay. I think we'll live without it. Alright, what do we think of this? Cheers. That's
1: that's actually refreshing. More refreshing than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, that's
0: pretty good actually. And we're doing it we're doing it with an ice cube in there instead of uh, in the coop. So so we've had a nice port tasting here. How do you feel about I brought this kind of like outlier here i made a cocktail with it what what's what's
1: no i i think you you the the novel Black black is exactly what it is it's made to be more drinkable probably closer to wine than port definitely closer to being made and being consistent so you can make consistent cocktails so they're using you know they're making a product that each year is going to taste the same. They want you to know Novel Black's going to taste the same. And some port houses are doing this. Not all of them, but some of them. And and it's but Quinta de
0: Naval is like one of the like one of the great port houses.
1: Like why would they be doing this? I I think it's I think a couple of factors are in play. One, Porto is becoming a more metropolitan, more hip city than a stodgy port place i mean i know that i'm yeah, being yeah, yeah, sarcastic yeah. but yeah i think that they have it there's one of the c- crews has a nightclub at the top of theirs that they serve port drink so i think it's i think it's just finding markets that they can continue to sell their product and make good products this is a this is a great yeah, product this
0: noval black is well okay so why do i like this better than late bottle vintage the, the, the vintage one you poured is outstanding, but why do I like this Noval Black better than the late bottle vintage?
1: I, I think that the late bottle vintage is, is, is maybe a little sweeter. Maybe they've they've toned down the sweetness using, you know, by being able to blend or, or you know, it just it, they are different products, but I think that that's the difference. I think Noval Black just has this flavor profile that's just, it's interesting. It's good. I mean, it's, it's a good product. And, and actually, it's a dollar more than the late bottle vintage. Interesting. What's the real problem? No, obviously the cocktail was delicious, and and I'm sad to say it. It was really delicious, and thank God for Novel Black. Let's use that for that, but let's not do away with the LBVs. Let's not do away with the vintage ports. Let's not do away with the Tawneys and the twenties and the forty-year Tawneys. We need these things. They're they're delicious. Why do on we their need them? Right.
0: Why do we need them?
1: Because they're delicious. They're, you don't need them <laughs> you don't need to mix everything together. There's certain times you want them on their own yes a good cocktail is a good cocktail sometimes you want to mix you know drinks with whiskey you know your expensive whiskeys with something and then there's times you just want your whiskey on the rocks there's times you just want your rum on the rocks you don't need to mix everything always sometimes there's a reason to have them as they are
0: (laughs) i feel like we're not getting you know like you're being a very polite tyler yeah tonight. You you're being a very very <laughs> fucking polite tyler to be honest with you like i feel like you're really being like i was like all right like no, why did
1: like no you know, hold what, on what do you
0: have what's your message to millennials who don't drink uh porn?
1: yeah well first of all yes i tried not to be the asshole that i normally am through all of this <laughs> you know i tried to be like ooh, I'm, like that guy and uh no millennials stop with the messing up everything and just drink it the way it's supposed to be drank like open a bottle of nice stuff and drink it like
0: well i don't know if i totally agree with my brother i know millennials get blamed for a lot of things but i'm not so sure it's millennials fault that people aren't enjoying port or madeira or sherry or any of the other classic fortified wines anymore
1: yeah and and this is something that you know, people in the industry don't want to hear, especially those advocating for Sherry, but it's never going to happen, man. And, oh. and it doesn't mean that you won't have people enjoying it and you won't be able to sell it and you won't have, you know, my, I'll, I'll buy a lot of it, you know, but, but it just, it's too complex for most people.
0: That's Derek Brown, the author and bar owner I spoke with in episode one, who once actually ran a Sherry-focused bar in Washington, D.C. called Mockingbird Hill. So I trust what he says.
1: And, and look, if, if I'm proven wrong, I will happily admit <laughs> that I'm wrong. Um, but it, but I, I also think it's like maybe that's maybe it's just for us. Maybe sherry's just for us, um, us? meaning the nerdy people in the nerdy bartender <laughs> fucking people. You know, Jason Wilson and and Derek Brown and like three other people.
0: Well, I still believe in sherry. And as it happens. I tasted some sherry with my millennial co-host Juicebox Beth for this episode. Beth seems pretty passionate about it too.
2: Come in now. <laughs> what
0: do I do? Right, I'll start again. <laughs> yes, we're talking about sherry, baby, today. <laughs> and it is. Uh, this is not. I would say sherry is not a typical juice box bath wine because it's sherry is not a natty wine at all.
2: No, it's definitely not. However, this is aptly timed because I am studying fortified wines. And I take my fortified wine section of diploma in less than a month. So
0: excellent. So fans, if you want to know the results of the this test, that'll be behind the paywall.
2: <laughs> All
0: right. Where are we starting today? We're starting obviously sherry. I mean, there's so many different types of sherry. We're gonna try to like cover a little bit today, but. Um, We're gonna start with Fino, of course, because like Fino is the basic.
2: I think rewinding it before that, like a lot of people think that sherry is like sweet
0: grandma wine. My grandma drank martinis. I don't know.
2: I think we need to rewind and we need to just say, like, you know, there are many different types of sherries. There's the dry category, which is like less than five grams per liter of residual sugar, like, no, really no detectable sweetness. Then there's naturally sweet ones like Pedro Armenes, and then there's the sweetened sherries, which actually a lot was imported. The to cream sherries. the cream sherry's, the pale, the pale cream, the medium, yeah, all of that. But nobody,
0: did, nobody has drank that sherry since your eighty year old auntie drank that. Like, like seriously, they, they I mean, do, like they do I mean, there's it. been a lot of work on sherry in the last fifteen years
2: totally so we're gonna and and i mean fortified is like a larger category a lot of them are sweet but sherry is like you know the best sherries are going to be dry
0: a hundred percent and
2: those are the ones we are drinking today
0: right and one thing i would like to say about sherry is i think that like my education was more in spirits before wine and sherry to me has always rode that line between like do i drink this in a spirits occasion or a wine occasion right and uh, like i think a a lot of people like there's a lot of sherry cocktails there's a lot of you know Mm -hmm. bartenders love sherry like there's a big kind of crossover between like mixology and wine or whatever and so sherry is like to me for someone who drinks a lot of spirits you know when i don't want a whiskey or a cognac or something or brandy you know i i would i'll take a sherry you know like by itself like that's you know so that's the occasion for me totally yeah
2: i yeah i have not developed my sherry occasion yet i've never (laughs) woken up and thought that i will drink a sherry Well, i don't wake up
0: and think about sherry to be clear
2: (laughs) well not yet you don't maybe after these
0: maybe when i'm 80 years old and i want my cream sherry
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so i think it's one thing that's super interesting to me about sherry is like it's all about the aging process right so like the grape, it's Palomino grape. It's super neutral, and they kind of just like ferment the base wine, and it's just yeah. they the just base want the wine be is insipid. It. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's yeah. like as neutral as possible, and all of the flavor and characteristics come from the aging method, which is super interesting. So, kind of before we get into it, like we should talk about the aging in general. Please, I don't want to get too in depth. That like no, you know, but like I'm this, gonna, I'm just gonna,
0: the soil the f- people. I'm giving the. <laughs>
2: Like, you know, I don't want, you know what I mean? Like, this is just no, like soil. I'm
0: giving the floor over to the diploma candidate. Talk to us about the Solera system.
2: All right. So, well, in general, let's start with like the aging. There are two different types of aging. Um, for sherries, dry sherries. there's biological aging and then there's oxidative aging. So biological aging is going to be under a layer of floor, which is essentially yeast. And this like floor develops naturally on the wine. It protects it from oxygen and right. it also gives it characteristics that i don't know but anyway so what
0: i would like to like that usually this is the other way around but like what i would like to say is basically the floor is like a yeast blanket around the wine
2: yeah it's like hugging the yeast really nice keeping it's protecting it from oxygen so these wines are going to be um still like lemon in color like pretty light in color and you won't get any of those oxidative notes but the acetyldehyde, the sorry the floor it's going to add like very savory (laughs) notes so think like olives and brine and um like bread dough uh and the, uh hay stuff like that so um these wines are really really quite interesting so that's biological aging and then there's oxidative aging and this is like when you fortify the wine which is essentially like adding spirit to the wine if you fortify above i think it's like 16 percent alcohol the floor die. The floor, like I'm dying, and they go away. And you don't get those acetyldehyde, hay, a- apple skin, briny. You don't get those aromas. You get oxidative notes. So you get like the toffee, the caramel, the walnut. The nutty. The walnut. <laughs> <laughs> nutty. And so um, it's all about the the whether it's going through biological aging or oxidative aging. And then on top of that, they all go through their own solar systems, which is like a method of like. It's like a fractional blending system that, you know, you take some, you add some. and
0: So the thing with the Solera aging is there's always a little bit of residual of what's before. So, yes, it's a continual process, and it moves down the chain three years, six years, ten years, and they're stacked. And basically, when you get to the bottom, you know, there's always a little bit of the young wine and a little bit of the older wine in it, and that's what makes it have both age and, you know,
2: Comple- the youth. Complexity, yeah. a little bit of youth, but also consistent year to year, right? Like, Yeah, that,
0: that too, obviously. That's yeah. that's what, yeah. Totally. And so, and the thing is that people, like, the, Sherry is not, like, when you go to Jerez in Spain, it's like Jerez. Jerez. In Spain. You, uh, it is not, these are not small production. Like, when you walk in, these are vast, these are big companies. It's not like, we're not making Sherry in a garage. Like, a lot of natural wine like yeah no like these are big producers and so totally i think people need to understand that like i think i think maybe that's something that like you know the the sort of like kind of hip you know insider bubble sort of psalms or whatever or trying to make sherry happen like it, it, sherry these are big companies and and there's a, they're, they're, they're like because you need to have a vast quantity in order to age it to get to the place where Exactly we're drink today no. exactly yeah, yeah
2: totally so when we studied this in diploma uh, you know it was our fortified wine day and our exercise was to split up into groups we were assigned there were uh, six of us in the sherry category and then um, I luckily got the sherry category and our task was to market sherry like obviously this is a not that it's going out of fashion but like millennials are we drinking sherry I don't know you know, no, we're not. And so the task was to figure out a plan to remarket Sherry to millennials. And it was actually really fun. Like we, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you our plan. Cause like, who knows? like, you know, we might
0: cocktails, we
2: might, we might, that was part of it. But, uh, there was a lot. So we picked, we had to pick a category. We picked, uh, Manzanilla, uh, on Rama Sherry, and we like, we're doing events and stuff like that. And it was really fun. And, I actually think it thought it had some legs as opposed to I looked across the room at the the other six half the half of the class that got assigned to Madeira, and I was like oh good luck <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well because the Madeira is like $50 a bottle and Sherry a good a good Sherry is like 15 to $20 a bottle
2: exactly like that was one of our like big pros that like dude this isn't that expensive and also like I mean I, I haven't I haven't been I've never been to Spain. I've never been to Spain. But I've never been to Edes, And I like, but everyone was talking about how cool it was when you go there to like have sherry. And so it's like they were trying to bring that back, uh, essentially. And I thought it had legs, you know. I was like, okay, I could drink this. And then again, when we tasted it, I was like, this is good stuff. Like, this is really interesting, really complex stuff. So let's get into it.
0: All right, we're going to get into it here.
2: So this is uh, Tio Pepe on Rama Fino. So we're starting at fino so which, sherry.
0: So if people know a fino sherry, they know Tio Pepe. That's the standard, the market standard, right? The standard. Right. Um, so yeah. what what's What's this in Rama? What does that mean?
2: Well, first, we should talk about pheno, right? So, pheno right. is, I remember it, pheno floor. So, it's aged biologically. So, remember that uh, under that the
0: yeast blanket. The
2: yeast blanket. It's nice and warm and protects you from oxygen. <laughs> this is how I study. Um, so, <laughs> so, again, yeah, the so test fino. results
0: will be behind the paywall.
2: <laughs> so, um, yeah, you definitely get, you know, it's, it's pale lemon. Like, it doesn't look, you know, it's not oxidized at all because. The, the blanket has protected it. Um, but then the other term on here, on Rama, so this is like, um, it's not a regulated term, it, but it essentially means that it's like the purest expression from the cask. Actually, on the back of the Teo Pepe on Rama bottle, it says, and I quote, as if drinking directly from the cask itself.
0: Yes. You know, when I... <laughs> so this producer, Gonzalez B.S., B Y A S S B S. Just.
2: Bias? No. Oh. <laughs> no, B S. B S. Why'd you spell it? <laughs> you wanted me to say that.
0: <laughs> so I went there mm-hmm. and we did an Enrama tasting. Nice. And uh, they, there was. Did you
2: drink from the barrel?
0: We did indeed. Nice. And there was a guy named Antonio Flores who's their kind of master, you know, whatever. Their guy, you know. Antonio. And he said, first thing he said is, I'm Antonio Flores. You can call me Tony Flowers.
2: <laughs> Did you call him Tony Flowers?
0: <laughs> of course I called him Tony Flowers. Everybody called him Tony Flowers. That's nice. So anyway, Tony Flowers, like when we were there, you know, he has this venencia, this tool that he puts into the barrel that pierces that blanket of uh, of the floor, the blanket of yeast. Because they, they have to be very careful, so it's they, it's like a pointed thing on a like a it's like, like a whip, like a, a
2: like a corvin,
0: like a no, <laughs> it's like a whip with a glass on the end, and he whips it in.
2: But you don't want to disturb the floor, isn't that bad?
0: Right, no, but, but it's got a point on it, so it goes in, uh. and then he pulls it out, and then pours it into the glass. It's like a very theatric- does
2: this store does it disturb the floor or no? It, it the doesn't. The whole point says it doesn't. Exactly. So it is like a corvin.
0: Yeah, I guess. I mean, like a ancient one like an it's like <laughs> i feel like it's very theatrical like tony flowers is like oh let me toss this into the barrel and pull it out and like i'm gonna pour it from nice five feet into the glass you know and yeah here we go
2: you get some floor in there like in the glass
0: no 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 it, that's that's the thing like it, it like this this tool is like they're able to taste it without the floor and the floor well cool. you know it, it is kind of like a corvette and they, like it, it pierces the like Corvin pierces the cork and then the cork heals. Like I think the the, the floor heals. Yeah, right. So, right. Okay. So anyway, that's how they taste and that's how they they know it's ready, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, what do you think about the Enrama?
2: The Enrama, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's super good. I think it's great. Uh, it's got like, you know, classic kind of a briny, olive bread doughy character to it. But it's very well... Integrated, um, but yeah, no. I th- I think this is fantastic. I would love to just I f- feel cool drinking it, and I want to just like I wish we had a little tray of olives.
0: I think you didn't like olives, right? Shut up! Okay. Don't
2: tell anyone. I don't like olives, but almonds, like little, little like little serrano things.
0: ham, and little, that's what it's, yeah
2: yeah that's I mean that's what they drink this with like like tapas essentially yeah right yeah yeah. Um, no, I think this is. Fantastic. It tastes really good. And honestly, so one thing about these fortified wines is that, you know, we judge their alcohol in like a different scale. And so all, you know, the minimum alcohol for any of these is fifteen, which for a typical wine is high. But I think this is super well integrated. Like it does not taste. I mean, this is fifteen on the dot, but i um, like it doesn't taste alcoholic. And I think that's a big turnoff to millennials, like high alcohol things. I think too, like doing a tasting of cherries versus, like having sherrys with food as they are meant to be drunk i think that is such a big distinction because i mean tasting these god like we'd be drunk you know but if we just sip these with the right food like i think
0: they are they're so they're so
2: exquisite i think they're great so let's move on yeah okay cool
0: what's the next one
2: so we're gonna move on to an amontillado
0: perfect Um, my favorite
2: we're doing um, Los Arcos from Lustau, and it's an Amontillado sherry. So if we're talking about aging. Amontillado is actually, um, it's like a, it's like a Gemini. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just saying it, it, it is both sides. You know, it's got two sides to it. It's okay. got the biological aging and it's got the oxidative aging, yep, right? Yep. So it's got, um, let's pour it. Let's do it.
0: All right, let's do it. I have no glass. Now, I've, as we pour this, I have a, I have a, Question for you: In high school English class, did you have to read Edgar Allan Poe's uh, "The Cask of Amontillado"?
2: Yes, but I don't remember it. Right, wow! So- wait, what is that about?
0: Right, okay, so he invites his friend down into the cellar, and they taste the Amontillado, and then you know he exacts his revenge.
2: I'm, oh my God! On what?
0: Well, I mean, I think he like locks him in the cellar or something, right? I actually don't remember, but that's like, so dark. The cask of a
2: Wait, that's so cool! I want to reread that now. Yeah, you think it will help me study?
0: All right. So thus is the beginning of the Everyday Drinking Book Club.
2: <laughs> Wait, I think you're onto something here. Right. Um, okay.
0: Edgar Allan Poe's "Cask of a is the first text.
2: So the most obvious difference between the Fino and the Montiato is the color, right? Fino is fully protected by that blanket of floor. Uh, But as we move to Amontillado, it actually gets fortified. So they add alcohol to it, which kills the floor. Kills the
0: floor. They're trying to kill the floor. They kill
2: the floor. Like, could you imagine? They kill the floor. So it gets some of those... I can imagine. Those, um, you know, those briny, olivey, you know, bread dough notes. But then they kill the floor and then it moves on to oxidative aging because, you know, oxygen hit, you know, there's no more layer of protection um, and so this
0: is the point I think where Sherry gets into that we talked like that spirit like state because mm. you have oxidative aging, right? Totally. Yeah,
2: yeah. So oxidative aging. Will and add, what is the
0: alcohol on this level? So,
2: well, I mean, so yeah. Once you you have to for, for fortify to higher to kill the floor to like over seventeen, this ends up being eighteen point five, right? Um. So this and it's uh deeper in color. What would you call this?
0: topaz
2: <laughs> topaz it's not on the, the 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 specification but yeah topaz that's nice it's really nice it's like somewhere between a like an orangey light brown that's, <laughs> also, not <on> this, <laughs> that's, that's also not on the. it's also not on the at least
0: topaz is a crayola color
2: oh i do love crayolas all right anyway but it's really nice like it What I love about this is it's got both – it's really complex because it's got all of those notes, you know? But it does, like, introduce this level of, like, this little bit of, like, toffee-ish caramel that is really nice. And, again, I think this is super well integrated. Like, again, like, 18.5. Like, 18.5 who? This is nice.
0: (laughs) Right. But, you know, right. Okay. But, I mean, a lot of our listeners are, like, brandy and whiskey guys, like – Eighteen point five is, you know, you're starting to feel it, guys. You know, you could, you could have it.
2: I'm not feeling it at all. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is this is really good. Um,
0: so, Lustau is a uh, is a great producer, and uh, this Los Arcos is, is is I think is a more. I mean, they have a a Montiato at a lower price point, but I think this. What is this?
2: Um. This wasn't that much. It's like 16 17 Right. Like, which is insane to me.
0: This isn't. No, that's... Okay. So that's the insanity of Sherry, that this is under $20.
2: Yeah. It's super complex. I mean, again, like we, we said it, like you don't wake up and like crave these types of wines. However, I think time and place and food, like the right setting, like, and to, you know, understand what goes into it. Because it is a lot of work to make these, you know, so...
0: The other thing that makes these a great value is unlike other wines you you can keep these in the fridge for 2 3 even you know I've I've had sherries in the fridge for 4 weeks I still drink well
2: How do they do they change at all or like
0: A little bit I mean they they lessen a little bit but I mean the oxidized ones especially like the amontillado I mean what are you going to they're they're fine you know as long as you keep them in the fridge they're fine and like often you know I'll be cooking uh I want to open a wine? Do I want to – Hey, I'll have like a glass of this while I'm cooking, you know? Yeah. And like – Yeah. Interesting. Bef- you know, it's like the first – To me, it's the first drink. The
2: f- that's so interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, it, that makes sense, right? Yeah. I agree with that.
0: Like I don't necessarily want a whiskey. I don't necessarily want a cocktail. I'm not going to make a Negroni because I'm lazy. You know, like, oh, sherry. Okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. What's the problem with these wines?
2: So – I love them, and I love drinking them, and I like talking about them. I think they're—it's re- really fascinating how they're made, and it makes sense because you know yeah. all the characteristics come. And through. so
0: they're—they're they're like that's the—that's my problem with these wines. Is like they're the perfect classroom wines because there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of processes. And it all of like clicks with the tasting bah, 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 bah. There's lots of classifications. They're like, you know, in the end,
2: I just like wonder when I would drink these.
0: Yeah. Well.
2: You know what I mean? As do
0: many people. So, when would you? I think a lot of spirits people, this is their entree into wine actually, because they don't want to drink a bourbon every night or whatever. Mm. You know, or probably a lot of spirits people want to drink a bourbon every night. But, like, you know, like, (laughs) like, but before they get to the bourbon, they want to pretend like they're drinking something else. So, they drink this or they mix this in a cocktail. They've learned. Or or they've had a cool cocktail that they've had sherry in, and then they're like, oh, well, I want to taste sherry, right? So I think sherry has been propped up by like cocktail people, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't think I think wine people are not big fans of like wine only people are not big fans of sherry, in my
2: opinion. I think they just it's it's hard to place where I would drink it. So fino, very clearly, you're sitting at like a tapas bar, like on a cool cool night, hot date, like it makes sense. You know, as they go on and they get more complex and even oxidative, it's like, wait, like to me, when I hit the oxidative notes, I th- automatically go to like toffee and caramel and that, I think dessert. And so, but then like after a big meal, like, do you want to drink like more wine? I don't. As a, a millennial, I like a, like a port on a, like a dessert list. Like, no way. Like, I want to, I want coffee and I want to go to bed. Like, so. You know what I mean? Like I just don't. No, it's, I know. Exactly. It struggles. For, I struggle to place these into like where I would drink them, but.
0: But this is this is the struggle of it, right? That's why Oloroso has become like a cocktail pour. Like you know, that's why. It has. I think we're gonna taste the Oloroso in a second here. So we're gonna move on to an Oloroso right now, and I think Olorosa became like the cocktail pour. What is a what is a martini? What is a Manhattan? It's got vermouth in it, which is basically, you know. A wine like sherry is that's been you know whatever it's been aged differently aromatized fortified whatever but it's the same basic uh proof right and so it stands up in a cocktail with gin or whiskey or whatever mm-hmm. and that's why people love move, right mm-hmm. so you know i think that's why like you know, the the, the higher alcohol sherries have like kind of made their way into cocktails, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, as a usage. And that, that's kept them afloat, basically.
2: Yeah, interesting. I mean, so moving up, like Oloroso, we should note, oxidative aging only. So, yes. So no floor, none of that like savory, briny character. You've got all toffee caramel to me. I smell this and I just like think of like a like a pretzel dipped in caramel. And like it's really good, like super good. Um, I would drink a glass of this after dinner.
0: Yes, but this is a maybe. This is a very very special oloroso. This is like Gonzalez Bs's like top oloroso, and mm. it's it's called Alfonso. I don't know why it's called Alfonso. <laughs> I would like to know who Alfonso is because you know it's a fucking great name.
2: It is a great name. Bring it back.
0: What do you think about this?
2: So I think all of these wines are really complex and well-made and they're very amazing. They're they're so interesting. Like you there, you can sit and find tasting notes and just like talk about them. And um, like it's, they're really conversation pieces, but I think the part where I struggle is just fitting them into my life. Like, you know, where and when I would drink these and with who and like, what, what are we doing and what are we talking about? And, uh, you know, and I think I would, it's sad because I feel like I would forget about them and then come across them and be like, oh, these are really good. Yes, because they're delicious. And again, but um, I think we they just have to find, you know, I think it's, it's all about time and place and food and just like be like you need to allot lot some time to like think and talk about them because they're not just like wines that you're going to sip at the beach like and just uh,
0: this. Let me sip this sherry at the beach said no one ever. <laughs>
2: Exactly, and I think that... I think people, <laughs> like, millennials want wines to sip at the beach. Like, that's what they want.
0: Like, oh, let me put this White Claw down and have a Palo Cortado. <laughs> yeah,
2: ne- next up after this White Claw. <laughs> yeah.
0: This is never going to happen.
2: Yeah, I know. But it's sad because I really do like these, and I think, like, I would love to just, you know, talk about them and 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 sip them uh with with people who also ha- are fascinated by them but i don't know who those people are or if- <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's you and me at an apartment in philadelphia today
2: <laughs> cheers
0: okay so sherry may have left beth and i a little sad but maybe our next guest can cheer us up with his unbridled enthusiasm For yet another underappreciated fortified wine, vermouth. Here's my conversation with my friend Francois Monti, a drinks journalist based in Spain.
3: Hey, I'm I'm Francois Monti. I'm based in Madrid. I write about booze and I do think and drink and then write a lot about uh, vermouth and aromatized wines. And um, I'm, I'm the author of, of uh, the uh, Grand Libro del Vermouth, which translates as the, the, the Big Book of Vermouth, and 101 uh, Cocktails to Try Before You Die. None of the titles are mine, but the books are very good.
0: <laughs> That's a very, you know, 101 Cocktails to Try Before You Die. That's a very, yeah. uh, <laughs> a very
3: morbid book. How many, well, I mean, I, have you tried all 101? Is... Yeah, for sure, but maybe they assume you you drink them straight, <laughs> and then you die. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, this is well, this is not a bad way to go, I guess.
0: <laughs> all right, so I think people don't know what the vermouth scene in Madrid is like. It's a it's a quite a different thing than than you know. First of all, in the United States, people are like vermouth; it's just like a small part of a cocktail. But you know, it's a whole thing in Spain, and especially where you live in Madrid.
3: Yeah, it's it's it, it's crazy when you think when you think about it because uh, vermouth drinking all over the world is cocktails. Even Italy, where where the stuff was invented, that have it in Americanos, they have it in Negronis, and and Spain, maybe with Argentina, is probably one of the only countries in the world where vermouth still drunk as it was meant to be drunk, which is straight, uh, straight or maybe with a bit of soda water, but you know straight. And what we have in Madrid is very different from anywhere else. is on tap, so you get tap vermouth, which is. What what co- when you, what I guess caught your attention, Jason, when you first came? Oh wow, vermouth on tap! I won that.
0: Yeah, anyway. I can remember going to that very old bar that, that that serves right out of the cask, right on tap. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of people are like, "What? What vermouth bar? What? What is that? You know, what? Like, so what is it? What's it like in a vermouth bar
3: in Madrid? Tell us about it." Well, you know, most of those places, especially in Madrid, in, Barcelona is very different. They've got modern bars serving a lot of Vermouth, but most, most Madrid bars are old Bodega style, you know, the uh, the old Spanish bars where a lot of people now go and drink beer. And that will be a place where typically you would go around lunchtime with your friends, especially on the weekend, and you'll have, you know, uh, it's going to be a bit dirty. It's going to be wood panels and a bit of... Uh, Mm, you know, old man style place. That's the, the style of place you love. You, you guys love so much when you come to Europe, the, the style <laughs> of place you want to spend your day in. And, and then you get some food, you get the anchovies uh, in vinegar, you'll get the uh, patatas bravas, you get a bit of tortilla. And uh, the temptation would be, uh, gosh, I'll get a, I'll get a cool beer or or I'll get a, a glass of, of the only uh, white wine I know from Spain. Uh, or, or whatever. But what you really need to do is get the vermouth because the vermouth will be on top and you'll be, wow, this is fantastic. I've never seen that in my life. And then you'll realize that vermouth on its own is actually quite nice, especially if it's from Spain because it's not bitter. It doesn't have a long aftertaste, which actually, if we to- you're to- talking to wine people, sounds like a bad idea, but it's actually an excellent idea because you don't get tired. So you take one and then two and then three then four and you went in there just for the aperitivo you get out of there it's four or five in the afternoon you've had food so you don't have to go to a restaurant uh you're half drunk and the weather is glorious and you're thinking about can't wait for tomorrow at 12 let's do it again
0: <laughs> perfect perfect so what is vermouth i mean i think people know i mean they know, they're aware of its existence but i don't think they really know
3: what it is Look, I think one of the, the easiest way to define vermouth would say it's an aromatized wine. So it's a wine and you put stuff into it. And it's it's also mostly fortified because uh, most vermouth are between 14.5 degrees to, to 22 max. Uh, that's the law in, in the European Union. So, you know, uh, even in Spain, it's difficult to find wines that have that level of alcohol. So you, you top them with, with, with a bit of, of neutral, mostly neutral grain spirit. Um it's wine. <laughs> so the weird thing is it's seventy-five percent wine. Uh but most of the time it's made with wine that's really not important and you can't even identify the the, the grape varietal in, in, in into the vermouth. So it's it's a strange beast. It's really a strange beast. It's been in between two worlds. Actually wine people don't seem to know the first thing about vermouth, and spirit people neither. It's 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 a very popular drink that no one knows about.
0: What's the what stuff is in it? So it's there's stuff in it. Like what's the yeah. what's the stuff that aromatizes it?
3: Well, I mean the number one stuff would be uh the stuff it takes its name from. Uh Vermouth is 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 coming from the German word wormwood. So so you have to have wormwood. At least that's what that's the understanding uh in Europe. Uh and then well you can have uh I mean you can have so many botanicals, so many, but You know, mostly would be spices like cinnamon, uh, clove, vanilla. You might have citrus, like orange peel. You have herbs, uh, rosemary, oregano, whatever you, roots, uh, rubber roots, for example, gentian. uh, Really, uh, a lot of stuff. I I even know vermouth that are made with mushrooms. So, you know, uh, whatever floats your boat. uh, I I like to keep it uh, simple but some 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 brands are talking about 120 botanicals. Uh, I, I don't know how you can, you know, make sure it's not a mess. But
0: there's no I mean but there's no vermouth authority that's checking on that.
3: Well, I mean th- yeah. th- vermouth is not really tightly regulated. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean in Europe you need to have wormwood of some type. Uh, but 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 that's that's about it.
0: I mean my understanding it was created in Torino in Italy, right? In Turin. Mm-hmm. So uh in the 18th century
3: was 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 it comes from Torino from Piedmont uh, in the late late 18th century although the actual industry uh only really developed uh, around 1840 that's when they started to sell not only abroad but you know even outside the city confines because back then Italy was not really a mod- well Italy was not a country to start with it was not really the modern economy so you could do st- make stuff in, within the city and you were not allowed to sell it outside of it.
0: And, but like these grand cafes in Torino, like they would each have their own sort of recipe for the for the vermouth, right? I mean, that was- Yeah, be-
3: it, it's it's one thing that uh, people tend to forget because we associate the vermouth with big, really well-known brand, Montini, Capano, cinzano etc. uh All of those, you know, those people or the people before them, that uh, they made vermouth in the cafes. It was or the liquor shops. It was it was it was something that you would do in the office, like you're preparing a batch for a cocktail today. Back then you were making vermouth. That was not a brand. I mean, Cora, which was the main brand in, in the early 19th century, it was a cafe. Cinzano, they were making what became the vermouth in the cafe, Carpano the same.
0: And so what well, what's the difference then between say like the Italian vermouths that we know or the French vermouths and and, you know in the spanish like what 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 are the you know what are the characteristics of those three
3: all right okay so today most everyone makes most everything so if you, if you go to Montini, which i always use as an example because it's you know it's the world leading vermouth company they, they'll have a dry vermouth they'll have a bianco vermouth and they'll have a red vermouth but Originally, when we're talking, especially if you look at, you know, old cocktail books from, from the 19th century, they, they won't specify. They'll say, in this drink, Italian vermouth, in this drink, French vermouth. Italian vermouth back then meant, and that's because it's the only style they were are making, or, you know, uh, it's, it's the story is a bit more complicated than that. But let's keep it at this. Uh, the, 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 the Italian Please. style, yeah, <laughs> it's not. if not have to to just read my old book. And we're, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so Italian style. Ruth would be bittersweet. That's it. It's it's bittersweet. Um, while the French uh, developed the dry style, uh, and then there is Bianco, which is also sweet but is not bitter, and was invented a bit later in, in Chambéry, which is now part of France, which wasn't part of France back then. And those are the three main the three main styles. Um, in Spain, vermouth, although people in Spain think vermouth is their thing, like it's really a, a a product from our country, came much later. It came at the end of the 19th century, and and it was basically an imitation of the Italian style. What, what was successful out there in the wild world was Italian style vermouth, so the bitter the bittersweet kind, and they took it and 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 made it their own. Uh, the thing is. Uh, going back to what we said at the beginning, because Spain is probably the only country in Europe where vermouth is really actually drink, drunk straight, palates evolved and people like less bitterness and more sweetness. So uh, over the years, Spanish vermouth developed its own its own style, which is not bitter, not very intense, very light, very citrusy, and a bit sweet. And, and this is where it is today. You
0: know, now in the U.S., you've got, dozens of new vermouths you know and i haven't even Mm. tasted them all i mean they're just i don't i don't even know where they come from that was one seems to pop up every month you know have you tasted
3: any of these i mean Uh, it's difficult it's very they, they don't really reach us because when they come to europe they get very expensive plus there's not a lot of market for them it's it's really niche niche product uh I did taste a lot of them when I, I, I tried to taste as many of them when I wrote my book, but that was 2014, 2015. So a lot of changed since then. The thing is, a lot of the, those vermouths that came out on, on, on the U.S. market over the last 10 years are not actually removed. They might be under uh, the U.S. law, but uh, under Euro- European regulation, they would not be. And and if, if we're merely looking at tradition, they certainly are not. They don't have so wormwood. It's,
0: is it because they don't have they don't have wormwood? Okay, that's yeah, true. they don't have wormwood.
3: Yeah, yeah. They are aromatized okay. wine, and 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 uh, a lot of them are very fine on their own, or or maybe interesting in their own rights. But to call them vermouth might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> there are there are exceptions, of course. Okay? Yeah, uh, I know a brand like Ransom, to name just one, they do use wormwood, and and they are actually respecting a certain tradition. I find it a bit strange that now everyone is, is worried about. Uh, uh appropriationism if if I'm pronouncing this correctly about pe- people taking uh uh oh,
0: cultural appropriation yeah
3: yeah yeah but it doesn't seem to really worry anyone in the vermouth world in the US
0: it doesn't really worry more people in the spirits business too much either you know
3: nah not, not yeah. really yeah but that's that's and there, and, that's for another day
0: there's still such a thing called California champagne as well. So that's legally protected. So yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem to always translate. Um, yeah. So what are some brands that we should look for? Maybe of some, you know, maybe, maybe some Spanish brands or some, you know, some, something that you know that we can get over in the States that if people, maybe they've just had their martini or Cinzano or whatever, you know, how can they expand out? There's of course my favorite, which is Dolan.
3: Oh yeah, so that's your favorite. Yeah, Dolan is really nice and easy to get. Brand and I think they're they're, they're Bianco, they're Blanc or Blanc, whatever you want to white, uh, sweet white. Dolan like is is a fantastic product, and you know, and I know you, you you do too. You love cocky, so you I do love you know, cocky. Yep. Yeah, you like yeah yeah. yeah. So it, those are very fine products. You'll find you'll find uh you'll find anywhere. So maybe we should focus on on the lesser known. Uh, stuff and and the Spanish vermouth, although you get to see a lot more Spanish vermouth in the US, is 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 really a, a minority product, I would say. Um, and you get some weird stuff. I, I've 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 seen some stuff in the US that I've never seen in Spain, which is actually Spanish vermouth in the US. Really? It's, yeah, yeah. It's there's one that is it's called Quiles. Q-I-L-E-S, which is really nice. It's got a very vintage label, and I think it's there because of the vintage label. Uh, but, but it's a really, really, really nice, interesting uh, style of vermouth with a bit of rancio. And I think a lot of those, a lot of the interesting Spanish vermouth have got that end of rancio wine in them. What's rancio? Oh, but I, I don't know. I mean, as you put wine, it's a style of wine you get, especially in the Catalan region, Catalonian region, but not only. And, and uh, that's a sort of wine that maybe you you, you let um, age outside in a, in a, in a Dane John and then it gets it, it gets Rancio is actually a very not uh, not very nice word because it, it's the word you use when cheese goes off like it's rancio. But in wine it means something that you've uh, I don't know over matured. What's the technical word for it? in English.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's something you get like when it's really long aged. I mean, it's something that comes about years later. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a sought after term, like in brandy and
3: sherry and Mm.
0: I guess vermouth too.
3: Yeah. In some Spanish vermouth, you, you, you get that. And, uh, uh, you get that. You get some interesting uh, notes on that, you know, for me, has got a bit of this. It's got a lot of freshness, but it's got a, a bit of this also, and uh, uh, there are oxidative notes on a lot of Spanish vermouth that you don't get on any Italian vermouth. You get that on Izagiri, for example, which is a brand that, that, you know, is much more common. It's one of the big Spanish brands that you, you can find in, in, in the States. Um, I think one of the interesting trends we've seen lately is the return of, of sherry-based vermouth. Um, mm-hmm. So Lusto would probably be familiar to any listener who's who's, who's, who's into his vermouth because they've been everywhere and, and they've got fantastic sherry. And they also have a very nice, very nice uh, sherry-based vermouth, um, which are built on, on the blend of either Amontillado, in the case of Lusto, is Amontillado, or Loroso, sweetened by um, Pedro Jimenez uh but uh a new one is, is going to be launched very soon which i really recommend people to look for which is the Valdespino vermouth uh because Valdespino vermouth they didn't go the Pedro Jimenez way to sweeten the vermouth it's based on old oloroso and what they use is their uh, their own uh, moscatel to sweeten the the vermouth it's an extraordinary for me uh spanish sweet vermouth it's an amazing complex uh you get that age you get that extra age sort of vibe uh from from, from the from the base wine i think it's a, it's a beautiful beautiful product
0: that sounds awesome i mean i love the sherries so i mean i i can imagine it's going to be great yeah what's the best vermouth to use you know with different cocktails i mean what do you look for i'm sure you use a different vermouth when you make a martini versus a manhattan versus you know other sort of drinks that we've come to know that, you know, vermouth is a major part of, but, you know, what do you, what's the, what's the difference for you? Like, what do you look for?
3: The only, the only, uh, the only cocktail I, I associate with a, it- you know, uh, a certain vermouth as a dry martini. I, I, although I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy a dry martini with Dolin because it's an excellent dry. For me, dry martini means no, a prat original dry. The original dry, not not the uh, the extra dry. Uh, that's, that's the most common style in in the US. Uh, for the rest of of, uh, of, of the main, I mean, of the classic cocktails, it really, really depends what I have on hands. I think a lot of, I, I think the dry style is the most complicated to get right. It's a, it's a difficult style to get right. So I'm, you, I, I, I'm more picky. Um, for for cocktails such as the Manhattan or Negroni, I usually turn to Italian vermouth anyway because Spanish vermouths are really interesting, but they don't have the bitterness. They don't. They usually don't have the body. They don't have the bitterness. They don't have the intensity to stand up with Campari or or rye whiskey. Um, I think the, the Spanish vermouth are really interesting in typical Spanish serve, which we can talk about later if you want, or uh, creative signature cocktails. But for for home mixing. Uh, I like the Italian ones, and uh, for me, the one thing I would never do is Carpano Antica Formula with a Negroni, because yeah, me neither. Uh, Everybody like, does it. Everybody does it. It's like why? Why exactly? Why? I mean, it's gin. It's gin and Campari. I, I don't need oak. I don't need vanilla. I like that those vanilla notes are like just too much overkill. In a Manhattan, why not? In a Boulevardier, probably. But I like I like something a bit more fresher. So you know, in a, in 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 a I actually, would would pick Martini, which which I know is not what people expect me to say, but I'd, I'd go for Martini. And in Manhattan, was, I'm, yeah. That was that a was real
0: good. that was a real cocktail nerd rant
3: right there for both for us. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Well, you know, I, you, I can't I can't hide who I am. You know.
0: <laughs> so all right, so with with the Spanish ones though, you tend to drink them. By themselves, you know. And I think if you told someone in the United States, most people like, hey, here's a vermouth on the rocks, they would be like, get out of here.
3: Yeah, like why? Why would I do that to myself? <laughs> well, you actually <laughs> should do that to yourself because it's very good. Yeah. And in Madrid, we have uh, we have a local cocktail which is called a media combinacion, which 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 I think I took you to have a, a taste of last time you were in town. Yeah, yeah which is basically two parts, two parts, uh, Spanish vermouth, one part gin, a uh, few drops of curacao, few drops of, of Angus tributaries served over rice, which is basically looks like a maltiness, doesn't really taste like a maltiness, and it's some, something I really recommend. It's, it's a lazy cocktail. You can, you know, do it.
0: Uh, Perfect. I love it on the rocks.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those are the best, right?
0: <laughs> so can you just, dis- can you dispel for us once and for all, how long does one keep vermouth? Is it 2 weeks? Is it a month? Is it 1 week? Come on, this is the endless debate. Everybody wants to know.
3: I mean, yeah, first I of all,
0: you have to keep it in the refrigerator, okay? Simple. Yeah, as that. yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. Okay.
3: But then how long does it keep? Well, it all depends. I'm I'm sorry. It really depends. I know people are get crazy with it. Like I've heard people know neue prut ball as soon as you open it it turns off bad and like, what? No. It's fortified, it's got aromatics in it, it's got botanicals in it. Of course, it will last longer than a bottle of wine. Uh, but uh, I mean it, it all changes from if you have white sweet vermouth like dolin, which is all about the f- you know fresh top notes, fruity uh, f- flowers, those 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 are the things that go fastest. So don't I wouldn't keep it in the fridge more than a week. It 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 doesn't stay good. It doesn't. I mean, it's not as appealing as it used to be, but if you're looking at Puntémes or 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 Antica Formula, those are so medicinal, so intense, so bitter. I I've had. I'll be honest with you. I, I have had bottles last for months in my fridge. Hmm. I mean, all right, you can you, you 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 can be the perfect psalm and then like, oh well, there's a bit of this and that is gone. It's it's bad, right? But most people want, you know they they, they want it won't make a difference for them for me my answer is always the same taste it is it still good (laughs) but i would what i would say is that if if you're having a, a a white sweet vermouth and the color is deep yellow it's probably gone off all right all right
0: what would you say to someone who is you're trying to turn on the vermouth like what would you
3: what would you tell them what's what's the what's the pitch let me, let me, let me try and, and think about something. Give me a few seconds All right. about this, this and idea. Of... When because I've actually, I've actually never had to turn someone into vermouth. It's crazy when you think about it. Seven years talking about vermouth, and I've never had to turn someone into vermouth. No one's told me, "Hey, you've convinced me. I need to taste this," <laughs> which, which is extremely frustrating because I'm sure you've had that experience a lot of time. Like, no, you need to try off-dry Riesling. And and like, oh, gosh, yeah, yeah, you've changed my life, Jason. This is amazing. <laughs> Never happened. No? Nope. Never happened. Never.
0: Check out everydaydrinking.com for more vermouth recommendations and cocktail recipes from Francois Monti. Everyday Drinking is presented by the Eat, Drink, Dine Podcast Network, produced by Jason Wilson and co-produced and edited by Miles O'Brien. Contributions from Beth Kamadas, special thanks to Francois Monti and Tyler Wilson. Music in this episode from the EP Momentos by Ages. Check out our newsletter at everydaydrinking.com. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers.